Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. For those of you tuning in on the Daily Beans feed and hoping to hear Allison Gill's voice, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Beans is off for the day and they're running me instead in the slot. But I've got good news. This is a great show. Cliff Schechter is here. Great chat with him about all kinds of domestic policy stuff. We talk about Nazis in Ohio. We talk about, you know, Biden is running and should run. We should all cut out that that nonsense about him not. We talk about the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh with the Azeri-Armenian conflict. Lots of cool stuff. Great conversation. Looking forward to bringing you that. AG starts with the hot notes. I don't have that many hot notes. Tucker Carlson is a liar. Elon Musk is an asshole. Kevin McCarthy is a traitor. This is stuff we kind of knew already. J6 wasn't just tourists, man. That seems to be what's in the news now. Slowly, people are starting to realize that the stuff that uh, a lot of us have been saying for years and years now is actually the way things went down. I'm hopeful that more Americans will see the light and realize that they've been lied to by Fox News for years to push this retrograde GOP agenda. Talk to Cliff a lot about that. He's a consultant, a commentator, writer. He's he did some ads for Biden in the last campaign. He's done PR for uh, Al Gore, Mike Bloomberg, Warren Buffett. He wrote a book called The Real McCain. He's 
a regular on various shows, Stephanie Miller, Bob Zeska. Um, he's on the Mary Trump show. He's one of the nerd Avengers. He's got his own YouTube channel called Blue Amp with Cliff Schechter, uh, which is wonderful. I was on a uh, one of the satellite podcasts called Be- uh, Beyond Politics uh, a couple weeks ago with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes, which was a lot of fun. Um, you can check that out on that channel if you like what you hear here. Great conversation. And I'm going to stop talking up front. Sometimes I prattle on. I got nothing this week. It's just this week is just me shaking my head, looking around like, what's going on, guys? Come on. (laughs) So without further ado, we will be right back with Cliff Schechter. But who is this Casey DeSantis? Is she the queen of Tallahassee? She's like a Vita without charisma. She won't get famous. She is too desperate She met him on the golf course She locked him down Yes, she molded her meatball man Now they're the Florida Bolsonaro's It is a crackdown They're firing the teachers And banning the books They both want to wear a crown It is worse than it looks And that's who is Casey DeSantis Thinks she's the queen of Tallahassee She's like Evita without charisma Vote out her husband He is a fascist Fuck off DeSantis Cliff Schechter, welcome to the Prevail Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to coming on. When when you were on the five eight, you said I can't remember if it was on camera or off that um, it was C H S C H E C T, and you said that the the second H was was taken away at Ellis Island or something. And it was such a good thing to say because I always spell your name correctly now. I just wanted to just, you know, the, the device totally worked. Yeah, like because most people, I mean, the, the name is most of the time S-C-H-E-C-H. And, I, you know, and so people do that. And I'm always like, I don't know if it was on the actual boat in the way over where they shaved the H off or it was at Ellis Island. But somewhere uh, they cut it off. So. Yeah, I used to have a J in my name. It was O-L-E-J-A-R, and that is long oh. gone also. So maybe your H and my J are together somewhere. Exactly. They're, they're in the ocean somewhere and like some kind of reenactment of Titanic or, you know. Yeah. What? Let me ask you this. What what kind of name is Ola? Is it Olahar? Is that what it was? It's, it's, Oli, it's just Oliar. It's pronounced the same way. It's it's uh, Eastern European, Slovakian, I think. Oh, cool. Um, okay. Yeah. So everyone wants to put an apostrophe in it and make me Irish. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> Oliar. Even, I'm not Irish at all, um, which is kind wow. of funny. You know, I hate to disappoint people. Well, they may want to. I've got really light skin and blue eyes. So they always want to make me Irish, too. And neither am I. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So two uh, non-Irish guys talking. So you have this Blue Amp channel on YouTube. You, you've you done ads and messaging for Biden before that for Gore, Bloomberg and Warren Buffett. Um, you've written columns and you wrote the book about McCain, the real McCain. I wanted to, so before we get started, just t- tell everybody a little bit about yourself. How did you get into politics? Because 
you didn't go to school for it. You went to school for for history and stuff like that and international affairs. And yeah. now, you know, you find yourself in the middle of all this weird domestic political uh, stuff. So how exactly did that happen? Great and fair question. And I will give the short version because the long version is a, a long and winding road to quote some people that, you know, where you sort of look back and you're like, I don't know how the hell I got here. Um, but I, my, yeah, my interest was always in history. That's what I was in undergrad. Um, and legal affairs, who I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And when I decided not to do that, the, the part of history that had always fascinated me was political history. Um, so that's what I always studied. Um, uh, and then, you know, but I, but I'd found U.S. history as well as world history fascinating. So I ended up coming out of undergrad and doing some domestic political work. Um, it, the timeline will, t you know, say I went to, I worked on Bill Clinton's reelection at his polling firm with two of the worst human beings, no, three in the history of the world at the time. Okay, so the three guys that were coming out of that po that polling firm, uh, right, Dick, yep. Morris, Dick Morris, yep. Mark Penn, and Doug Schoen, all of whom rapidly became Fox News Democrats because they're three of the sleaziest humans alive as far as I'm concerned. That's an opinion, guys, if you feel like suing me. You know, and, and so after that experience, I went back to School of International Public Affairs at Columbia for international affairs. I'd lived abroad in both France and England. And I thought I was going to be an international journalist or something of that nature. Um, but, you know, life sort of weird things happened. And I got these offer to work at a polling firm in Washington, D.C. Work went there and, and I love, you know, domestic politics became important. And you kind of mentioned, I'll skip over stuff, but you mentioned the really big thing before, which was some of the issues that, that we just could not tackle and seem to not be able to. I mean, we've done we've made progress. Let's say I don't want to be complete pessimist, but guns being a big yeah. one, um, you know, I, I was recruited because some people knew me and I did some PR on the side when I was studying in grad school and I, you know, and I talked to people. So it wasn't actually Michael Bloomberg I worked for. It was it was what was then Mayors Against Illegal Guns, which he started and then what be, has become every town for gun safety. And, you know, this was 2005, six, seven. And, and, you know, the Bloomberg people, let's just say, have money to pay consultants. <laughs> uh, I had a kid. And I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't what I believed in, but they needed a lot of help on like, they didn't know how to talk to the left because Bloomberg, of course, on so many things was more conservative on economic issues, and but his base on guns was going to be, so they needed me to kind of translate and help them promote and explain to them in this new crazy world, I know this will sound nuts, that the Huffington Post or Daily Beast or Daily Coast or whatever it was, they didn't get, you know, at the time I was like, you know, guys, if I push your stuff and put them on those channels, millions of people will see it you're still getting psyched when you land an op-ed in like the indianapolis star i'm like that's not the world we're moving into it'll end up in the indianapolis star if it's about indiana anyhow right, right? like but so i helped them create their digital program and then i went on from there you said buffett i actually it was the buffett foundation they do a lot of work on women's health and i did some 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 work for them and with gore it was the alliance for climate protection uh, and just you know i had about almost a decade where that was mostly what i was doing until i uh, I'd, oh, I'd written videos for Bloomberg, written scripts and produced them and somehow found myself partnering up with somebody. And then in the COVID era, you know, I, we got a call from uh, my partners, like an old sort of business associate. It was like the Biden people need people who can write ads and write them quickly. And we were just like, all right, pay us X a month. And we'll, you know, I mean, this is one of the most important elections of my lifetime. And we desperately need, you know, the, the pus-filled, orangina-colored <laughs> demon to lose. So uh, I went and did that. And so I wrote some ads for them and some other stuff. And, and, and you know, now I have a large uh, list, email list, where I do fundraising for good candidates and causes, I would say. And then I still do PR and write the occasional ad 
that's kind of where I'm. And then I started the YouTube channel because yeah, I don't have enough things to right. do. Right. Yeah. Them, so. Yeah. No, me, me too. Same thing. I'm like, ah, I have four jobs. <laughs> Let's do this YouTube show. It'll be fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how it works. So, okay. I have a long list of questions. This is just stuff to talk about now um, because sure. I want to pick your brain on some of these things. So you, you, you've worked a little bit more closely with the Democrats, with the Biden people. You kind of know maybe more of the thinking there. It seems to me that the fascists are just, they're just on the rise in this country and the main problem messaging wise is that the Republican Party um, is basically the zombie Republican Party. It's it's the Republican Party in name uh-huh. only. It's full on been co-opted by Trumpy fascists. They're not interested in governing. They're not interested in uh, cooperation um, or compromise, which is how every legislative thing that's ever happened in the history of this country has happened. Even well, it's the whole theory of, of, of democracy yeah. in the a Republic is you have to work yeah. together. So if you're going to obstruct, if you're going to just be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Fuck you. It's not going to work. I mean, even in the, in the decades up to the civil war, you see the word compromise was the Missouri compromise and right. this year's compromise and da da da. These are people that literally they were fighting. There were fisticuffs in Congress and they still got shit done. And now it's there's one party uh, that, you know, the lion's share of the people in that party refuse to do any governing. So um, yeah. why does the media not report on it that way? Will they ever start? And how can we get them to go there? What do you think? So good. Thank you for this topic, because it's one I rail about <laughs> often. Um, <laughs> the way I look at the Republican Party, and I should have looked up what animal, what creature it is, but it's like, there's this horrific and sort of horrifying video somewhere of like these ants that attack a creature and then take over it, it, kill it and then take over its brain and actually maneuver it around to do things. Like it's a zombie at that yeah. point. That's the Republican party. Like they throw, they like to throw up Mitt Romney and people like that that seem normal on the outside, but it's the MAGA guys that are the ants inside maneuvering yeah. this thing as we know. Um, and uh, there's a there's a number of problems obviously the media you know and and folks that worked in that media mark jacobs um is a great one john harwood who got fired from cnn once the new folks took over because he was too honest about stuff there's some folks that just refuse to play the both sides game our media fell into this kind of model of nonpartisan media and we're just going to tell you you know the the what's going on and 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 there's going to be some fairness on this side and some fairness on that side so the Republican Party started hacking that system at least 50 years ago. Yeah. Slowly. You'll see in the 1970s, the early 70s, the creation of a, and I'll try to, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I'll, I'll make jokes along the way. I don't want to bore people. I know this is an intellectual <laughs> show, but nobody gets as interested in the weeds. But you'll see between about 73 and 78, you know, the American Enterprise Institute's created yeah. ALEC, which is the, the you know, American legislative corrupt every, can I curse on here or no? Fuck yes. Corrupt every motherfucker in the Republican Party. You know, I think it's, that's what it stands for, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, the NRA in the infamous, and I live here, Cincinnati Revolt, where they had their meeting here and the hardliners kicked out the moderates and, and the radicals who are white supremacists. These are all forerunners to where we are today. And these were all people that weren't going to compromise, that were going, didn't believe in democracy, and they start pushing. So this has been going on for a long time. The problem is, is that our media got stuck in this era of like the 40s to, I would even say even the 80s. I mean, and you could even say the 90s pre-impeachment, because there still were a lot of Jim Jeffords and John Chafee, he's not even Lincoln, his dad, you know, John Chafee and hell, 
you're in New York. I grew up in New York. I mean, you know, Jacob Javits was like a liberal Republican to the point where he was more liberal than like two thirds of the, of the Democratic Party, maybe more. Um, so there were different wings of different parties and having that sort of both sides thing made a lot more sense. It hasn't made sense since Newt Gingrich's yeah. rise. You know, at, at the very least, since Gingrich's rise, and you can make the argument since Reagan's second term, since you know, and, and he put Buchanan in a position of power, and I mean, like the 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 it's obvious, it's right in front of their faces, and the argument I always make is, political media is the only type of media that actually tries to make you dumber, actively, like. If if we know that, you know, it would be like, and I, I this is what I always repeat, I'm like, and I may have said this on your show, so I apologize if I'm repeating okay. myself, but, but you know, it would be like the, the, you know, one group of scientists say the moon is made of Swiss cheese. The others say it's not. Who's right? Right. right. You know, or if they, if, if that would be if they covered science, all science that way, or, you know, uh, the, the Dodgers had two runs and the Giants had one run. Did the Dodgers win? Well, we'll ask both sides. I mean, like, like objective realities are then they, they so in, in politics instead, they know Newt Gingrich comes in bad faith. They know Mike Huckabee comes in bad. They've seen these people for years, liars who've been caught lying, who've been caught in ethics violations. You know, I named two people there because they're two of the early ones I can think of. But but like Mike Huckabee sent out something on his Newsmax bought list saying he had a biblical cure to cancer and raised money on that. Newt Gingrich, we know what, you know, with GOPAC, he corrupted all these things and taught Republicans how to refer to Democrats as sick and evil. And I mean, we know who these people are. They're frauds. But the media still refuses to step out of that crouch. And, and the biggest, I think the problems are it's careerism with some folks. Like they don't want to step out of line because then everybody actually gets just one big conspiracy. That's right. not yeah. it. If you've ever worked in a culture before, you get that you have to adhere to that culture or you may be pushed out. Publishers are largely conservative still, you know, and then some of the stuff we can't help, the stuff we can help is we have failed. And I don't know why, because you name some of the people I worked for. I've worked for people that put a lot of money into causes on the left. But we have barely ever even tried to create a parallel but truth-based left media that, you know, we've got some magazines that that do this, you know, New Republic or this nation or whatever, you know, although the nation with Vanden Heuvel and some stuff veered off yeah. into, I'm sure, you know, interesting territory. But, you know, we've got, uh, there, are, there are a few newspapers here and they're owned by people on the left that, you know, that are willing to do this. I mean, Courier News has done some of this, Heartland Single. I'm not going to say nobody, Media Matters, of course. And, and, you know, I'm not saying nobody has, but we don't provide the pressure on the left to the mainstream media that they do on the right, which is why, like some people will say to me, why are you being so, you know, viciously over the top? And my answer always is because that's all they respond yeah. to. Like if they respond to, I mean, I went to school with a lot of these folks. I babysat one of them who you would have seen on TV this weekend. I should probably just say his name again and embarrass him. Um, another one was a good friend of mine in high school and they both write for the New York Times. I don't know. Should I say them? Should I, I not say them? Who knows? We can, we can leave it up to the to, to the listener's imagination, I suppose. I mean, right. yeah, I guess so. And and they do some some good work here and there, but they also do some of this both sides bullshit. And they're only going to respond if they're being, because at this point, you don't have these working class journalists anymore. It's people going to name brand schools, often from wealthy families. They're not going to be hurt by some of the stuff that they're talking about. So what I would say is you want to pressure them. It's not going on Twitter and saying, fuck you, but it's going on and, and telling the truth and being like, this piece was absolute garbage. How could you have, you know, licked blau? How could you yeah. write a piece that say, says the, the Russians and Trump have no relationship a week or 10 days before an election? How the fuck could you fall for that? 
You know what I mean? And, and if you want to put it nicer, that's fine. But that's what needs. And if we had a bigger media apparatus the way they do, I think we could get the media to, to do better. But it's very hard. There's, and again, I, I saw you when you spoke to Matt, my partner at the YouTube, to Matt Robeson. You were more generous than me. And, I, you know, I'm fine. And so was Matt, where you said you think most of the media are doing, you know, good work or whatever. I would probably say some. You know, I would say there, I'm very careful to say that there's some great folks out there. I, you know, I mentioned Harwood and I mentioned Mark Jacobs. I mentioned others that have worked in, in Rex Hupke right now, Will Bunch. Yeah. You know, there's people that are, that are, they write some columns, but they also do news and, and whatever, and they're terrific. But there's also way too many people uh, out there who will just, they'll go on. I mean, they're either fully corrupted and you can tell who they are by various interests or they don't give a damn. Right. It's all just a spectacle to them. And and I don't know if they care if democracy falls. I don't know if they understand what enemy of the people means and that, you know, if they're eventually if democracy did fall and we went to the worst possible imagined future, they they'd get a reserved seat on the cattle car right next to me. Um, but they, but they don't seem to get that. So, you know. Yeah, so I, it, my answer to you is the only way you're ever going to get media uh, to to move to where they need to be is by pressuring the hell out of them constantly. Yeah. It's it, you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, plus the I, the monolith thing, I think, is really important to understand because th these things are not monoliths. The New York Times is the most frustrating schizophrenic <sighs> body that we have. Like it, one, you know, they're, they're terrible about, for example, trans rights. Their, their coverage of all this trans stuff has been wretched. It's been deplorably abhorrent right. to the point where people are going to die because of how shitty it is. And then in the same, you know, news cycle, they produce really good work about, you know, this scoop or that scoop. And, you know, the, the irony is that we know what we know because of these media stories, uh, which they break. And uh, that's what I mean when I say that a lot of the journalists on the ground are doing good work. I think it's more the the, the institutions themselves, the structures that are in place. I worked at AP in human resources, so I used to go to the news meeting and observe it. And it's interesting to see how that works. Like you have people pitching stories, right. and but the people know what is quote news and what isn't news and everybody has a sort of, but that's a very, very subjective thing to, you know, to say it is, um, to yeah. some degree, like there's, you know, some things clearly are, are um, not subjective. Joe Biden won the election. That's not subjective, but uh, that's a not. news story. But, you know, other things, maybe we're not going to report about Iran right now, for example, that has gotten very little play. Um, in, right. in the media, um, what's going on there. And other stories have disproportionately large amounts of play, like the fucking balloon or whatever. So it's all very frustrating. Um, but you brought up an important point. You said, and again, to quote you from that show, I, I enjoyed that podcast with you. Sorry, I just- no, I'm you glad, know, I always, uh, I hate I, watching I, myself I, after, so I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Like I, watching myself is tough, watching other people, easy. Um, you know, you brought up the fact of the lack of content. Yes. And yes. that is what's so difficult is that when you say like these investigatory, you know, scoops, right? So I go on every couple weeks on, on um, Mary Trump's show. I am a quote nerd Avenger of which there are, I don't know how many of okay. us uh, she invites on, but a bunch, you know, a bunch of folks that you see on Twitter and places, Dahlia Lithwick and Wajahat Ali and Dean Abadala and, you know, good Jen Taub. I mean, really talented, smart people outside yeah. of me. Somehow they let me in there to bring everybody <laughs> drinks. Or so. I was like, I'm like Michelle Bachman in that debate that time. I just bring everybody water <laughs> is what I do. Um, so, um, but, but like, you know, and so, but Mary Trump, when she released those, we know now the taxes that originally became that tax story. Huge story. Trump, She's in Craig, yeah. Well, 
Right. Well, so that was a great investigative piece. And I guess what my point is, is, is they still do a great investigative journalism yes. there. I don't go after those guys at all. It's their political analysis desk, their politics desk that fucking sucks and undermines the great work because the investigation side will, will pre create a piece like that, right? Well, your own newspaper created this tax piece. So every time when Donald Trump brings up the issue of taxes to give people context, that should be referred to. And it would even be in your own interest because you broke the fucking right. story. Right. But they don't. They let it go down the memory hole like they do a few pieces on it. And then if there's a new angle to it a year or two later, they'll they'll bring that up. Right. When we, when the House committee got a hold of his taxes and those were released, there were some more stories, but they don't constantly provide the context. Like what I said with Mike Huckabee before, they don't say, you know, do we believe what Mike Huckabee is saying about climate change? Well, he did try to sell people a biblical cure to cancer, if that's going to give you context into who this guy is. So maybe when he says there's no climate change and more guns make you safer and, you know, we should take women's rights away, maybe you should question that. And that's the kind of context the political desk refuses to do, because if they did it, 90 percent of it probably would be hitting Republicans. And it's not that I'm saying Democrats are great. I can criticize Democrats all day long. It's just comparatively. We have one party that does a lot of what it says it's going to do and another party where it's all just become a joke. It's all performance, yeah. you know, like it's failed Instagram stars and reality TV and former talk radio hosts. I mean, it's it's somebody I think it was Jared Yates Sexton. Yeah, we've been talking. LB and I have been talking about that. His point that he made for, for years now, all these guys are they're all failed actors, failed comics, failed models, yep. failed musicians through all of it you know you know there's tim pool trying to play. why did breitbart move out to la he moved out to la to become an actor he failed and he started breitbart yeah. you know he wanted to be an actor and a comedian they hate the mainstream of america because the mainstream didn't find him interesting dana loesch mm -hmm. nra you know like i'll uh, i'll get as many people killed by the nra because i want my face on tv she literally pitched a quote-unquote hot mom sitcom to nbc with her and like the you know and this whole thing about this i guess it's amateur sort of um way to get your your picture out there in front of people that are like casting for movies explore yeah. talent i mean candace owens lauren bober like the list goes on and on you know this nut that they've just exposed anna paulina luna like her whole thing was she wanted to be an instagram star and a model like it's just it's like one after another it's these people that had brushes with fame and create they're such narcissists or they just want to make easy money and they crave the money and the fame and the whatever and you know anna paulina luna was a strong obama supporter in 08 carrie lake was a strong obama supporter but these people then found out hey wait a minute look at all these morons here on the right who will buy a biblical cure to cancer i can sell them anything right. you know and and, the, and 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 the right is smart enough to get that they're, they're looking for people that have who actually, even if they're amateur actors and suck, at least have tried to be actors. I mean, oh, my God. Have you seen the thing with the Project Veritas guy trying to do like a, a, a new kids I, on the block? I saw thing? the I clip, mean, like, but I, I mean, I saw the, the link to the clip and I did not click the link because I did not have bleach readily available. I, I'm. And, and, you know, I saw it because it was on Twitter and it started playing for me. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, you know, I saw it probably for about 10 seconds before I was like, what did I just see? You know, and, I mean, so, you know, and, and I talked about this. I released a video last night on this newest one. I don't even know how to pronounce this la stupid last name, and I don't really care. It's probably a fake name anyhow, we've learned. Andy Ogles or whatever, the one from Tennessee. His name, you know, Cliff, who's. His name is Ogles. 
I know. What what's next? Fondles, molests. You know, exactly. I mean, come on. Right. I'm reading this and I'm like, wait a minute. His name is Ogles and he's a Republican. I used to say this, you know, like like their names too. If you, did you ever look? And people may know this, but they're, they're, the what you know, Malkin means, as in Michelle Malkin. Um, you know, it's like a, it's like a bird that har- I mean, like Coulter. Like all these people's names are like uh, have these horrible associations and Ogles fits yeah, right totally. in there. Now everybody will be googling uh, Malkin and Coulter. You should because she's I can't remember I don't offhand but they've so point being Ogles and like he was calling himself an economist for years. You know what? We actually have degrees in that. We hand them out at institutions of learning. He doesn't have one of those degrees, so he doesn't get to do that. He referred to himself as an expert. I don't even know what this means on international sex trafficking. I mean, an expert does that mean <laughs> he did it with? Matt Gates, who now won't be charged, but probably should. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, <laughs> but he, but he had made all these claims about himself, you know, that that uh, his resume that none of which are true, and it's just another example in all this. And that's what I spoke about, like in this video, is that the end goal used to be like you want you cared about policy, even if you're you know coming from the right, you you generally had you know I mean there are demagogues along the way there your tillmans and your mccarthy's and your but you generally wanted maybe you want to do something you believed in like now the end goal isn't to be a congressman or a senator it's to get like a fox news yeah it's to it's to 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 end up on the right-wing gravy train where you can go to like you know you can go you know go online to a QAnon conference and you know you know get paid a hundred grand to just show up and say stupid things that you know not to be true and obviously we learned all of that not that we didn't know it with these the the fox news dominion Which is, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I, to me, oh my God, can I give you my shocked face? I mean, I, I knew these, all these people are lying. I knew all of them didn't know. It's the question of our, of our age and, you know, some of it's you and I, I don't remember if we talked about it before we came on air about how easily money travels now from place to place and how easy it is to bribe people. A article just came out on all the, and you probably saw it, all the various EU officials that were that were being bribed and whatever by by Putin's Russia to try to change their stance on Ukraine oh no Crimea I think it was specifically yeah. at the time you know and we're in an age of weaponized communication yeah. and I've tried to sort of have conversations and you get these first amendment absolutists you know and I'm like listen we regulate things that we consider to be dangerous you, you know you can't issue terroristic threats we we you, you we have you can't commit acts of sexual harassment you can't share child you can't slander you know yeah slander libel but but we were we refused to have this conversation and i'm not saying how much regulation there should be but one of the guys who shared um the the guy who's just uh you know just had his had it was his sentencing the the mass murderer in boston okay Uh, i'm sorry buffalo yeah 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 yeah. right and the market racist whatever you know well one of the folks who encouraged him and you know shared his visions and all stuff in the united kingdom just got sentenced to a 14-year sentence for for that we that we can't do that here yeah we think you can share any and i'm not saying maybe that's going too far i don't know but we refuse to even have the conversation about the fact that it used to be somebody whether they believed in it or not whether they're fake like fox or not who could stand on the corner and scream crazy shit and maybe convince five people if they're lucky to do crazy shit. Now they have access to the entire world via social media. And they if they lie again and again with just the right music and just the right graphics and just all this kind of brain fuckery, like we see what Fox News does to people, turns them into zombies. And 
I don't know what we're going to end up doing about this, but we, do, but we allow them to call themselves news. They go into a courtroom and say, we're not news, we're entertainment, so they don't get held right. responsible. But then we allow them to to show up at the White House and ask questions like they're a news yeah. station. And I just don't fucking understand. This is what I'm getting at with the with the, you know, the Democrats need to and the media needs to call this shit out. Now, you mentioned social media. So um, I've been writing a lot about Elon, not as much recently about Elon Musk and Twitter, because I, even that the day before, the day before the buyout happened, I wrote a piece called tower of Babylon, you know, saying that that's basically what was going to happen. And everything that I said would, he would do, he's done because my position is that he's a chaos agent and he's there to destroy it or subvert it in some way, which is what's happened. China. I, I don't, think? I have no idea who he's working for, but or maybe he's working for himself and he's just a fucking asshole. But the, the end result is yeah. he's letting the Nazis. He's not letting, he's let all of the Nazis back on. And now yeah. some of the new stuff that he's doing, he's, uh, which people are making fun of him and calling him like, oh, he's so insecure because he wants to make sure everyone sees and his We all have to see his tweets. I mean, he's, the reason he's okay. doing that, it seems to me, is because he's tweeting out shit that his overlords, his whore masters, want to be seen. And he has to make sure yeah. that everybody sees it, no matter what it is, whatever the message is that, you know, his his people get out there, uh, it, it gets out. So now he's been pretty, uh, you know, not subtle about, promoting the, the no. Putin stuff and the, uh, you know, the anti-Taiwan stuff. I mean, he's not, I, I don't get it. I no. mean, he's not, he's from South Africa. We don't even know if his immigration was legal from what I've read about it. It's a little bit dodgy there. I don't understand how we let a South African and an Australian come into the United States, no matter how long they're here, how much money they have and fucking poison our discourse and ruin our media. I don't it makes no sense to me. It should be, as far as I'm just deport him. Yeah. I mean, seriously, if you can, I mean, or, you know, I, I, I've got a real problem. And again, what I think is, you, you know, is you probably know cultures take a while to change. Yeah. And the problem is, is like we, you know, and, and I don't want to cast aspersions on some of our older leaders who I think legislatively were incredible, right? Nancy Pelosi will probably end up on the Mount Rushmore of legislators. I don't want her on Mount Rushmore. I want her on the fucking $20 bill in a few years. That's what I want. Okay. So you obviously appreciate her too. Um, She, she, you know, she, it would never take her 15 rounds to vote on anything. She knew when she had the votes, she, she, you know what I mean? She was incredible. But what I would say is some of the older leaders, some of the ones in their seventies and eighties couldn't get themselves out of this era of the eighties and even early nineties where people got, where both parties got together and there still were kind of different wings of different parties. You could have, you could have like, you know, a Hal Heflin or whatever in the Democratic Party. And you had this whole New England wing and West Coast wing of the Republican Party. And they couldn't get themselves out of like that, that this sort of, you know, this, this thing that was enunciated by Pat Buchanan as many as 50 years ago has, it has basically slowly taken over the Republican Party. And, and then, you know, after Trump came in, it literally, shot on steroids and it's just not the same thing anymore you're you know they're putting your lives in danger and having yeah. you know attacks on the capitol your husband is being hit with a hammer because they're trying to kill you i'm not saying specifically pelosi but this is a lot of these folks who i just think we needed this new generation to come in because if you see the video that has gone the most viral on my channel is dan goldman literally beating the living shit out of these bullshit witnesses <laughs> on their on their fucking un-American activities committee, which is really the defend Trump from being prosecuted committee. And I almost love watching it because it looks like they're gonna cry and maybe close down the committee. 
or try to figure out a way to kick Dan Goldman off because he fucking destroys them. Yeah. Um, one, one of the other ones that's done the, like probably the fourth or fifth best video on my channel is, is Eric Swalwell standing up when they went after Ilan Omar and be like, you guys are fucking saying and uh, calling out anti-Semitism. You, the ones with the Soros conspiracies and the Jewish lasers and the, I mean, and what we used to have, and there's still a couple of folks like this in positions of leadership would say, I'm not going to dignify that with a response or, oh, that, that's ridiculous, but that's just Republicans being Republicans. No, you need to fucking play this game the way they play this game. Every time somebody puts a mic in front of your mouth, that is a messaging moment. It is a moment to share with not just your base, but low information voters, you know, who you yeah. are and who they are. And for years, we have let them get away with, you know, this bullshit. I mean, even pushing garbage like i mean i make this connection all the time in 2016 ted cruz and even carly fiorina who now is like a born-again democrat who has rejected the putinites but she's responsible for this as anybody fiorina cruz i feel like one or two others stood up on that fucking stage and said democrat you know and, and and used the example of that 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 doctored bullshit video democrats are killing live babies right. and literally within days an unhinged man in colorado springs walks into a planned parenthood He's a history of mental health issues and kills a number of people. He's saying the words body parts or, you know, the, literally quoting from Ted Cruz and Carly Fiorina. And we decide that's not, you know, terroristic threats or that's not. So these are the things they're saying about us. And then our people are responding, oh, you know, the Republicans. And no, you're, you point out that, that Matt Gates's issues with sex trafficking. I don't care. He was charged whether they end up indicting him or not you point out the issues i mean these guys will make something out of hunter biden's fucking laptop to the point where they they're pushing that, that there's a problem because we didn't all see his penis like they did on twitter which they can sort of deal with their own issues you know well you know what like they're doing stuff that's in such bad faith and we won't even in the past call them out on that but now katie porter ted Lou, i don't care what I, throw aside ideology if you're more to the left center left middle of the democratic party i'm just talking about effectiveness now AOC, Ted Lieu. This new guy, Maxwell Frost, is really fucking good at it, too, by the way. He's amazing. Maxwell Frost is awesome. He's been there for two weeks. He's amazing. Ruben Gallego, who's taking on, I mean, one of the reasons everybody got behind him is because he was the one who was, who was willing to go on Twitter and call Ted Cruz a baby killer when he tried to give us his theory of doors to stop yeah. shootings. You know, if doors were only shooting stronger, which I'm sure would help at parades and stuff. I mean, like... You know, we have people now who are willing, you know, Katie Porter sitting there reading like that book, you know, like, the, you know, how to not give a fuck yeah. or whatever it was. Well, I mean, that is a, that believe it or not, like that's, you know, and I know you know this, but everybody might not. That is a messaging moment because th that ended up going viral. And it's Democrats understanding that you need to mock them. You need to point out their lies and inconsistencies. You need to go after them for their how dangerous they are and how anti-American they are. And that's the way you win against these folks. So uh, we're getting better is what I'd say. You know, I am not, to be clear, attached to the Biden administration. I wrote ads in 2020. Never, that's it. It was never in the administration. I probably, whether I get hired again is questionable because I'm willing to be critical and I say things. I think under a very difficult circumstances, Joe Biden has literally done a masterful job uh, uh, legislatively. And I think he moved us forward. He's been going after Rick Scott on Social Security yep. and hitting him and mocking him. He at least brought the F word to the conversation when he said semi-fascism. I wish he just said fascism. But to, to say MAGA Republicans are semi-fascist, you know, are semi -fascist, that is a big deal for sure. Democrats. So do I, do I want him to still be tougher? Do I want him to be better? Do I want him to be hit them hard? I do. But 
some of his persona is like the ah, likable Joe guy. And, I, and, and in a way that gives him even more license to yeah. do it. Because one minute you can say, my, my friend Mitch McConnell, and the next minute you need to be like, you know, rhetorically slitting his throat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and he started doing that. And I think, so even he is, he's learning at this point, but it, it, you know, an old dog learning new tricks. It's hard with some of the folks who are in the upper echelons of the Democratic Party. So when you're talking about Democrats calling them out on all this stuff, we are getting a lot yeah, better I think at it because we have this whole new generation that wasn't, that only knows the post Bush two Republican yeah, party yeah. and what they were. Yeah, they been. see, they see the light. Yeah. They see it for what it is. Yes. Um, we got to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Cliff Schechter. So here's a special announcement. My friend Owen King, co-author of the New York Times bestseller Sleeping Beauties, has a new novel out. It's called The Curator. And we have a little preview for you guys right here. Illusion and conjuration were not viewed with much favor by the authorities in the Gentles' era. Sleight-of-hand men were even more infamous for picking pockets than in the present day, and in the hill towns of the Northland provinces, people were occasionally still drowned for consorting with demons in the woods or committing other supernatural offenses. However, the Gentle was a beloved exception, because his illusions were so charming and peaceful. The silver egg, for example. He passed to the members of his audience so that they could test its weight and solidity. When they were satisfied and the egg was returned to him, the gentle declared that existence was quicksilver. He used his black baton to spell the word today in letters that shone in midair, and in the next instant brushed his arm through them. The dispersed letters quickly reconstituted themselves in a new word, tomorrow. It's the curator. It's by Owen King. It's available everywhere. Books are sold. Okay, we're back with Cliff Schechter. I don't. I, I was going to save this to the end, but let's just get it out of the way. Uh, I think you know you were talking about Biden's accomplishments. My opinion is that Biden, and I've said this a bunch of times on a bunch of platforms, Biden is the best president of my lifetime, which is both acknowledging the good work he's doing and also an indictment on the presidents that have been in my lifetime. I think you know it's not. I'm born in '72. Uh, you know, Nixon. You were you were born. Yeah, we're pretty much exactly the same age. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, it's it's the same thing. You could make arguments for other people, but I think it's. I think it's pretty obvious, actually. I would agree with you 100%. So I, I, want, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I want to put it to bed. Historically speaking, as you know, being a, a history guy, incumbent presidents don't lose re-election unless they really fuck up bad or they're super unpopular. Biden is doing yes. awesome work. Or they get stuck in an, all, in an awful economic cycle. Yeah. Although in Republicans' cases, they often create that. Yeah. But yeah. go ahead. I mean, there's reasons. But for the most part, you really have to bungle something or Ross Perot, there, there, there's forces that are weird yeah. that come along. But if it's a president that's running and he's pretty popular and uh, everything seems to be going okay, it's usually a cakewalk to re-election. That's usually historically what happens. So is very there's a lot of of free media yeah. and name recognition and money that comes with being yeah. an incumbent. The, Absolutely. The, 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 the advantages of incumbency are vast. Et cetera, et cetera. Now, Joe Biden is old. In two years, he will be he older, is. or next year, whatever it is. Yes. Uh, I I am worried. I, I think people don't really appreciate just how much depends on his health. Frankly, I think Joe Biden's health yeah. is more important than almost anything right now. 
Yeah. Oh, I remember saying when, when COVID, I was like, let's put him in a bubble. Yeah. Literally like have him be like the bubble boy. Like don't let anything get yeah, near him. Don't let anything near him. But so my, my thing is there's a lot of this bullshit. And again, the media doing the stupid shit that they do. Well, let's not have Biden. Maybe it's time for someone else because he's old and he's, you know, yesterday's news or whatever. I think that's madness. I think there's no fucking way that you, if you're, you know, if you're Michael Jordaning it, you don't retire. You keep going until you lose, you know, is is my position. Yeah. He just turned 60 the other day, by the way. He probably could still go out there and beat at least half the NBA. Yeah, I, yes. So yeah. if you're good, you're yeah, good. I think that, that that is true. So uh, I, what I'm getting at here is... Um, is that your position too? Do you do you agree that he should run, or what, what's your thoughts on this? So two two answers to the two things you said. And again, my loyalty to Biden at this point is as an American yeah. who thinks he's done an outstanding job. I do not, in any capacity, work for them, and I don't expect to again, and I'm not trying to again. But w- let me start with with he's clearly been the best president of my lifetime. I, I think there's absolutely no question. Um, it was sad the other day, yesterday, to see that, you know, Jimmy Carter going into hospice yeah. now. And I would say, oh, my God, is that presidency looking a ton better with with the solar panels on the roof? And, the you know, imagine if we'd embraced environmentalism in the late 70s. But, you know, and, and you know, I did work for Bill Clinton. So uh, so people want to say, oh, you're just saying that because you worked for Biden. Guess what? I worked for Bill Clinton, too. So what, what Biden has done is exactly what I've, you know, I've, I've said Democrats have needed to do forever, and no one has done this, and it is, which is, one, you completely to the public, and I thought Obama was doing this for a while until Obama proved that he really believed what he was saying, and that got me upset, which is, you you claim the bipartisanship, you can work with them, people like that, you have to do that, all right, you don't want to normalize they're crazy, but you if you do it in a smart way, which he's done, which is he separates MAGA Republican from Republican, and now you can call anybody a MAGA Republican if you want, any of the other ones. But you, 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 where you need to, you go it alone, you bring your party along, and the masterful job when you have such a slim majority of getting both that initial COVID stimulus bill through, which is why our economy came back, because so many people were able to go back to work right. suddenly. There was so much purchasing power again. Um, and then later on, the Inflation Reduction Act, which dealt with inflation, but the, the investments in, in clean energy and all these were huge. But the fact that he also was willing to go at the bipartisan route and know when it was in Republicans' interests and he could bring bring a few sane people along, but also bring people along that really needed shit, mm-hmm. right? Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul were never, I mean, the big project, and he spoke about this in the, in the State of the Union, the Brent Spence Bridge is one of the ways you get from where I live in Cincinnati across the river to Kentucky. Not that we want to go there very I'm kidding. All you Kentuckians. That's where the good that's where the good whiskey is, though. It Come actually on. bourbon is outstanding there, I will say. And if you come to this area, I will take you to, on the bourbon trail. It's good stuff. But you know, a lot of folks live in the northern, it's the way you'd live in the New Jersey suburbs or Connecticut suburbs of New York. Like you can live in Indiana and Kentucky suburbs. You take bridges over and come to Cincinnati and work. And this bridge had chunks falling out of it. And no, the governors have never been able to get the money. Like the state legislatures are full of fucking idiots and they refuse to do it. His bringing that, that, those funds in here to quote himself was a big fucking deal. And the fact that he got McConnell to come along because it was in McConnell's interest right, to right. do it. And it was in Mike DeWine's interest to do it. DeWine's from this area too. He wants that bridge fixed, but he doesn't want to put any of his state budget into it. You know, and he knows it's an economic engine. People needed to drive a fucking across to get yeah. to work, right? So so he brought along the dozen or whatever he did on that infrastructure bill, which 
I mean, the economic development, the job creation in that bill was just astounding. Yeah. He did on guns. It wasn't a nearly good enough gun bill, but but as somebody who's very steeped in that issue, we had loopholes like what we would call the dating loophole, which meant that if you were if you'd commit an act of domestic violence, it was defined as you had to live with somebody, have a child with them, or be married to them. If you just were dating them or stalking them, it was a, a stalker's paradise. You could stalk somebody and and you weren't living with them. So even if there's even if there are misdemeanor charges against you, still go get a gun. This closed that loophole, for yeah. example, right? He brought a bipartisan majority together and Republicans knew it was in their interest. They had to because they knew on guns with that series of shootings, you know, our last series of major shootings, right. um, they had to do something. It was right before the 22 election and they knew they were going to get destroyed if they didn't. So it was in their interest and they had to do it. So when he's needed to bring them along, he has. And I would have put his economic record up there right now with certainly his legislative record is, is approaches LBJ's, his economic record approaches FDR's. I mean, his foreign policy record is up there with, you know, I with mean, anybody he he's the, the best thing that he's done is how he's done the, the Putin stuff and the war in Ukraine, I think. Yes. I mean, it, Putin and Ukraine getting us the fuck out of Afghanistan, which I'm yeah, sorry, had absolutely. to happen. Afghanistan should have been a, you know, a, if it wasn't for, for Dick Cheney's oil and all the fucking, you know, people sitting around Bush, it should have been a six year, six month to one year invasion to go in with mostly special forces and take out Al Qaeda and take out the Taliban folks who were actually harboring them and get them getting the fuck right. out. Because I'm sorry, I feel horrible for people. I do believe that international forces need to go in to stop genocides. But at the same time, if it's America in you know or the West in Afghanistan, it's never going to yeah. work. It it doesn't, and history can tell you that from uh, from us trying to do it and the Spanish trying to do it in the Philippines to where pick your example that you want. It doesn't work because people will they will outlast you. So he got us out of there. And I mean, that was huge. All right. And all the chaos that all these assholes wrote about afterwards, amazing. It actually ended up working better than planned in the long run. There was some short term chaos that happens. You know, that's why you try to not get into wars, because war is always chaos. Um, what he did, what he's done with Putin, as you said, has been and Ukraine has been masterful. So, you know, is he perfect? No, but he said this great record. And I would add, and I don't have to say much about the incumbency, you really covered it. So when you look at his great record, and you look at the fact that that he's an incumbent, we would be crazy not to yeah. have him run for yeah. re-election. It'd be insane. And here's the thing. It's really simple. As, you know, as long as, as he stays healthy, like you have a preset script there. Look at Reagan 84 and all the shit Republicans did to us when Reagan going, oh, there he goes again and all that stuff. Just fucking take it at taste, steal wholesale, all the stuff Reagan, like, you know, I don't want anybody to hold it against my opponent that he's young and inexperienced. What he said about right. Mondale, they got everybody to laugh in that debate. There's a whole sort of record there of ways to deal with the age issue. They should be studying Reagan 84. Do it. You can deal with yeah. it. Yeah, especially if it's fucking DeSantis that's, that's running, I think. I Oh, that, the, the meatball, I mean, you know, like, I mean, I, that's one of the, the the nicknames that if Trump really did come up with that, I mean, it was the easiest one. The guy looks, he wears his little white booties, you know, to, to when there's a flood. I mean, I'm sorry, let me run that campaign. That guy looks, uh, I could, what I, his, this is, I'm sorry, I just have to do this. When he did his little Top Gun thing, and his face was like <laughs> this in the fucking helmet. Yep. Sorry, I knocked this out. Uh, his face is like, because he, because he, with the, the G-force on, on his chipmunk face, I mean, let me do the, you know, that's one place I would want to do ads. Let me do a few ads against Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I mean, 
not tough to beat. Nikki Haley never gets through a Republican primary. I still don't think we've seen who their nominee ends up being. I still think of those three, it's most likely Trump if he's if he's not in prison, if we don't do enough. But otherwise, I don't think we've seen who the person is who ends up maybe being a, you know, one that brings them together, all the nuts from the different wings who they can all agree. I think it's going to be Christy Noem. I'm just going to say that right now. That's she's the one that scares me. I think it absolutely. I think if she absolutely a, could because she's attractive woman, and people fall yeah, for her shit. Yeah. That's if they're smart. I, I don't know though, but pe- people will argue that no, the GOP is so misogynistic that they would never. But I don't know. Do they want to win or not? That's the thing that scares me. Well, it's also how many people are running because if there's a split enough vote, you don't need. You know, if you can if you can win the primaries with fifteen or twenty percent of yeah. the vote, there's enough people. She she might be able to do that. I think she would be one of the ones. If you were going to go with with someone who isn't a, a non-woman, I'd have to think a little bit. But there's a couple of them who I think could pull it off and still, you know, I mean, I, I guess he's I don't think he's going to run. I think he said he's not going to. But John Thune has this very air, another South Dakotan. Of, of oh, like, he was, you know, he being went reasonable. to Moscow. Well, even though he he's one of the Moscow, Moscow, I was going to say he's, he's out. He's one of the Moscow eight. Yeah. So I, I think but but he he has this look to him like he fits in with the regular Republicans and he's quiet about stuff. He doesn't speak out and say crazy shit so but you're right maybe that the moscow eight thing would be enough to to destroy him but they do have a few they do have others out there who would make me more nervous another one is young who's a right winger who comes off like the private equity guy he is you know and or you know and so there are some like that that end up being sort of compromised candidates who are still just as fucking nuts and just as, as fascist and those would be the ones who would worry me but again if Biden is healthy and Biden is our incumbent and we get the machine up and running, I feel pretty fucking good about it. Yeah, this. me too. Me too. Thanks for, thanks for and saying Marjorie that. Taylor Greene, we finally have also done what they done, what they did. They created caricatures of our leaders all the time. Nancy Pelosi, others that were just total bullshit, but they they were but they did it with their media arm successfully. Here we have Marjorie Taylor Greene where like she gives us all the material we need and the Biden people have gotten smart on this too. And so have other and the Democrats in the House. Kevin McCarthy literally is on a dog leash. It's like a scene out of Spinal Tap, you know, and like to to her. And and as far as I'm, it's not sexist, it's sexy. Um, And you know what? We should run with that because the truth of the matter is, is that if she is the face of that party, they are, they're fucked. Yeah. So, you know. I think that's, I I agree with that. Um, And you mentioned the Republican, like the, the machine that they have, the media machine of smearing people. I mean, you can see it with Kamala Harris. You could see it early on that the yep. the forces that did not want her and they did not want Joe to win. And uh, you could tell because that's who the Russians didn't want. And right. if you go like when I was doing the Kavanaugh articles, um, I went and read like Mark Judge's blog, which I don't recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can tell he's sort of workshopping ways to ha- uh, attack Kamala. And, uh, you know, and it's effective. They're, they're, she does have this thing. No, that, well, yeah, you can see it, you know, like. Right. So, you know, they're sitting there with with whatever the new Cambridge Analytica mm-hmm. is and they're stealing and buying and, you know, as much data as they can. And they're pouring through it and finding different ways to try to convince African-Americans not to vote and convince certain women to vote for them and what, you know, whatever it might be and what crazy shit works. And when you're willing to do that and you have literally zero morals and you have all this money and all this research you can do. Sure, you can workshop it because, you know, like I always say to people, if you can put just a few dots together, it isn't difficult to know what they're yeah. doing. I mean, the border stuff is a classic example. 
right? Like you, you know that that's testing well in their little Cambridge Analytica focus groups. It's seeing that it blunts certain other issues, uh, you know, for them and it appeals and, and sadly, it seems to appeal to a lot of newer immigrants here who are like, I came here the legal way. Why, you know, and they play that up and they, they and they create this whole because they, they need fear. Yeah. They need fear of the other. And, and so you can tell, you know, crime. I mean, it, it wasn't based on reality. You know, it was based on what's the stuff that's playing in the focus groups and what's the stuff that we can find a way to connect to people that we can get people to hate LGBTQ community, yeah. Jews you know, blacks, like, you know, and, you know, certain liberal hippie women, you know, especially single women, um, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. They have their games that, you know, so you can, if you, if you know this stuff and you pay close enough attention, you know exactly what they're up to because when one or two people say certain talking points and you magically then see the same thing appear in other parts of right-wing media, they're, they're testing yeah. stuff. Yeah. And if it works, they're running mm -hmm. with it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So, okay. We're, we're, Coming down on the hour, I don't want to keep you too long. I have a couple more questions. First of all, okay, you mentioned no, Cincinnati. You live in Ohio. What the what the fuck is up with all the Nazis, man? What's going on with the Nazis in Ohio? I, I don't like this. Um, when you say the Nazis in Ohio, do you mean our state legislature? Do you mean a couple of the Nazis that have been exposed here? Or do you just mean our, our overall voting <laughs> patterns? <laughs> I was talking about the home, um, the, the, uh, the uh, homeschooling group of Nazis that we're going to have. Oh, God. It, it, yes. there, there seems like there's just this rise of Nazis now, and I don't understand it. I feel like after the Second World War, like all of our media, uh, the movies, TV shows, all this stuff, pretty much Hitler bad. You know, Nazis bad, and yet, yes, here we are. So I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's going on? Well, it's not just Nazis. It's it's almost like they're they're rolling it all the way back to like Civil War times, you know. And and the thing that's crazy is, you know, and if you study history, like back when there was more of a regionality back then, Ohio was so proud to be a union state. I mean, Jesus, you know, Grant came yeah. from here and Sherman, and I mean, you know, this we did, you know, we we did have there were a couple of, of awful southern ohioans who joined with the cause of the confederacy but for the most part I, I mean i guess the answer to your question is you know the nazis the the we we had a gerrymandered state legislature here we voted in in you know to overturn the lines and then the republicans slow walked it as long as they could because as you know they've taken over the federal courts and they knew the federal courts would say it was okay our supreme court with one republican old style moderate republican had been there for 20 30 years kept joining with the three Democrats to say, you have to rewrite the lines. It made the lines marginally better because they had to keep submitting slightly better maps before the deadlines, but we should have thrown them in prison when they're in contempt of court. And that's what, you know, this is where we're not oh, tough enough God. and we don't yes. take the threat yes. seriously enough is when these people refused and were in contempt of court, they should have spent a couple of days in prison and seen how they liked it, or maybe a few weeks, state legislators. So, you know, we're, it's no different than any other state that way we have these, we have the, the cities and the suburbs that have become incredibly liberal, especially, uh, you know, it refers to the three C's here, Cleveland, Cincinnati, you know, Columbus, Cincinnati, but also even like the little bit smaller cities, Toledo and Akron or whatever. But then you do have these rural swaths. I mean, Southeast Ohio might as well be West Virginia or Kentucky, you know, and the Western band of farmland might as well be Indiana. And what the issue here has been is just like, you know, we don't have a Philadelphia. We don't have a New York City. We don't have a Chicago, a city that is big enough and has enough of an influence to outweigh the rural vote. And because they've so radicalized rural voters, you can win some of them back, but 
what was really upsetting, I mean, and we did look, we, we, we changed the, we, we got one of the seats much better down here and elected a friend of mine who was, you know, Greg Lanzon, who was a city councilman to Congress and knocked out one of the insurrectionists, Steve Shabbat, who'd been there forever. And, you know, there are some folks you can appeal to that are that like a lot of the sort of folks who are here who are kind of like Procter and Gamble or Kroger or some of the big companies here that used to be Republicans, you know, I'd call them Romney Republicans or voting Democratic, but we're, we're a couple points short. We come very close in, you know, in the overall Congress vote, the state legislative vote, but the gerrymandering has hurt us. And what really upsets me is I think we got we got pegged as a more right wing state last time around. Trump appealed very specifically to, to lost jobs to NAFTA and things of that sort in a way that a lot of other Republicans don't. J.D. Vance is another media, yeah. right? So what hurt us last time, I mean, what was so upsetting is Tim Ryan was just the right yeah. guy for this state. And every poll had them within two points, you know, for a while. And Tim Ryan might have lost, but if he had lost, he was going to lose at worst by three, maybe by two. But then that fucker, you know, obsessed with living forever loser, Peter Thiel, who who J.D. Vance is essentially his puppy, you know, dumped. He he had a deal with McConnell. He's like, if I put 30 million in, you have to put 20 million or vice versa. I mean, they dumped 50 million dollars in here, you know, and so. It's not that Ohio has suddenly become Alabama. It's that Ohio has, has because of the rural areas, frankly, with their gun policies and their diabetes policies and their COVID policies, if there's any state where they're killing themselves off disproportionately actually has an impact over the next five to 10 years, it may be here. Wow. Because nobody's repopulating those rural areas and the cities here, because we do have engines of growth, the children's hospital here is one of the best in the country. We do have you know, Procter and Gamble, which brings a lot of folks to Cincinnati who wouldn't otherwise come here. Um, the cities are growing. So if we can hold off the fascists for about five years, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just going to put this honestly, enough of these other nuts in these areas, because they're doing the worst possible things for their health imaginable. It's where the opioid crisis is. They're dying off. And the truth is, is we're growing. So they've got about a four point advantage here. I'd say naturally, if everybody spent the same amount of money and whatever, they've got a th- not even necessarily four, three point maybe, that's going to get a lot closer. Yeah. I do think Ohio can come back um, and a couple other states on the bubble like that that are very close can come back because of, of growth, because of in rural areas. And you've seen it somewhat in Pennsylvania already are dying off in Philly and Pittsburgh and whatever are growing. So my answer to you about Ohio is we're, 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 we're salvageable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that should be, you, you should know, put like, that on I'm a bumper gonna, sticker. We're salvageable. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to bullshit anybody. I'm not going to say, oh, we're, you know, but it'll be interesting to see because they're going to throw everything they have at Sherrod Brown. And there literally is no Democrat who does better playing to a working class audience who's more comfortable in like, you know, the jeans tuxedo in like a union hall or a trucker event than Sherrod Brown, who does win five to 10% crossover voters who vote for people like Trump. And you know, he's an incumbent. It's not quite the incumbency of the presidency, but being an incumbent in any office is very sure. helpful. And he's got a lot of name recognition. He's been, a, a you know, in the state, statewide on and off now for 30 years. So he doesn't need to build it the way Tim Ryan needed to. I mean, so that's going to be a real test here, because if we can hold Sherrod Brown, I think then that will give folks hope. And I think we've got a lot of hope as our demographics increase and there's Decrease. Yeah, thanks for that answer. It's very sad. It's really sad to me. I know we, you know, we we make fun of the MAGAs and and we should and mock them and stuff, but 
that you have a political party and a Republican party that's actively trying to kill people. I think that's their policy. I've said this a bunch of times. They want us yeah. to die almost without exception. Every piece of legislation and every plank on their platform, so-called, um, advances something that's going to cause as many people to die as possible. If, if you right. if you have a question like, should we do A or B, they will look at it and say, which one? What will yeah, kill the and most they'll go with that one. And I'm not even joking. Like, that's how it is. And the people that are dying disproportionately from their, the COVID, their COVID fuckery are their own voters. And it's just really fucking sad that they... It, yeah. it really is sad. And I, I, I have a hard time because I try to yeah. balance sort of my compassion as a human being with the fact that, you know, look, I, I mean, I am the least religious person and have brought up and whatever, but, you know, trust me when I say Hitler would still find me Jewish, um, you know, uh, and and when I realized that uh, that that some of these these folks that this stuff's happening to, they would happily throw me on a cattle call, yeah. Yeah. you know, and so my compassion goes to a certain point, but like people that would kill my children. No, you know, I know. And they are, that's who they are, you know? Yeah. But, but you're right with, with whether it's opioids and, and then you see someone like JD Vance who calls, you know, Donald Trump cultural heroin and points out how Trump is killing the very people that he'd been talking about in his half made up book, you know? And then of course, JD Vance starts a fake C3, you know, a, a, a fake nonprofit on, 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 uh, opioids and basically sends a member of big pharma out to push like oxycontin as part of it i mean the evil that is contained in these people and there you know i saw him there's a local sort of fast food place you know he lives literally five minutes from okay. here and i'm sorry I, and i saw him in there with his kids i know I, i've only run into him this once though and i ran into him this once in the place here and my younger son looked at me was like dad don't do it <laughs> um and, and because he knows he's like please don't embarrass me don't and i'm like you know what you have no worry because you're here and his kids are there and i'm not going to do it to his kids but what i would have said to him if it had been just me and him i mean i debated this guy three years ago on npr you know where they had us on about and, and he was at that time saying all the the right things he was like i'm still conservative and hope hope for that vision blah 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 but would rip into trump and the whatever and i would have been like yeah you probably don't remember me but i fucking remember you and and you think you've achieved something by being senator you had a billionaire throw a bunch of money behind you and you sold your fucking soul there aren't a lot of us who couldn't pull that off trust me when i say half the people if we were to do a, just look around this restaurant here half the people in here have far better personalities than you jd and they don't look like fucking meatballs so you just you just a soulless fuck who was willing to do whatever peter thiel and don and mitch mcconnell and whatever told you to do don't don't get all high on yourself that's why you are where you are you know and, and in any case the point being like and the diabetes is horrible in these areas right they're eating awfully they're it's all become this own the libs shit, yeah. right? They're, it's like the smoking that was re-added to, to the house floor or not the house floor, but their offices. Yeah. That's that they're doing that too in Appalachia. And like they're you know, and so I do have some sympathy, but I also realistically sit here and say, like, you know, not to, to be a nerd and quote Spock about the greatest good for the greatest number of people or whatever, but I truly believe that way. And I'm sorry, my compassion can only go so yeah. far. Yeah. It's the whole thing is just so sad to me. It's just sad. It is. And there's no way to win them because I no, you can out, see you know, it's there's their some folks on the Bernie left who would say stuff and like I'm not criticizing everybody. I have friends who worked for Bernie. And oh, I I'll criticize Bernie. The Bernie little, left is ridiculous. You go ahead. It's fucking ridiculous. Okay, okay, there. Well, members of it. I mean, I've gone when Nina Turner, who's from my state, and I know is a fraud, has tried to run on stuff. I've I've called her out. Other folks who were once friends of mine, you know, when they before they looked at how the easiest way to get ahead uh, on that side of things. I, I don't even want to go into it, but but. 
I'll, I'll say this when there, with our, the argument coming from there of, oh, you only need to, to, to get more progressive economically. Well, that's just bullshit. I mean, we should get more progressive economically because it's the right thing to do. And you probably will convince more of your base to turn out by doing that. So I all agree with that. But you, when you tell me you're going to win folks, you know, you know what? Sweden has a Nazi party. They have universal health care and like family leave policies where they get months off and like, you know, go look at their social safety net. It's everything that a, that a lefty could dream of in this country. Yet somehow they are still because they've had immigrants come there from Turkey in certain places. They're still able to use anti-immigration fervor and other stuff to have a, have a Nazi party that wins a decent amount of the vote. So when you tell me, oh, if we just move to the left economically, I would tell you to look at Europe. And look at the fact that there's that Marie Le Pen, you know, Le Pen still does very well in France, and they've got probably the best universal health care system in, you know, in the world in France, in terms of spending the least and getting the best outcomes. And they've got all sorts of other social safety net programs to the left of us, stronger unions and all that. And guess what? Working class folks are still being fucking fooled into voting for Nazis there. So there's just, you know, on some level, you do your best, maybe you can win one or 2% of them back, but that's not why you're doing the policies. The policies you're doing because you want to help your base. You want to help people that are suffering economically, and that may that includes some of them. But you don't do it to win them no. over because you're not. No, going you're to. never. You're never going to. Never gonna. It's just never gonna work. It's like it's like McDonald's doesn't waste time trying to advertise to people that are vegans or are never going to eat there. It's just right. it's a waste of money. You know, it's it's just not there. The one, yeah, the ones that that voted like for Donald Trump um, reluctantly. And I, even voting for him that way makes me sick, but yeah. just point, making a point. The ones that voted for, for some working class folks who, who were poisoned enough on Hillary because of the Russians and others who could vote for Donald Trump reluctantly, that's the kind of people that Sherrod Brown, there's a five or 10% of them can win over. So yes, you have a shot with, with if, you're, if you fit in there of winning over this very small contingent of them, right? But five or 10% of them is like whatever percent, because we're still winning 30% of the working class. You know, it's it's like this very small sliver that you can win over. But again, it, it's not going to make the difference in most elections. It's very small. Most of them are Nazis because they're Nazis, because they believe they, they get told this shit and they believe it. And that is not how those are not the folks you should be aiming your policies at. They, they, our policies have the effect, if they're good, of that they'll help sure. them. We're still never getting their fucking. No, votes. no, no. And not only that, they'll they'll they do what the Republicans do, which is they take the, the benefits of something that Democrats fought for and voted for and they didn't vote for and then claiming credit. Hey, look, the stimulus, oh, look at God. like I built this new bridge. It was me. Yeah. I, oh, you voted against that. Oh, well, you know, PPP loans, you lazy people on welfare. Oh, you're going to let me take $80,000. You know, Chuck Grassley was like 147 years old and shouldn't even be allowed in Congress anymore. And like, you know, but he took, he took, like, I don't know, he's a multimillionaire, but he took how much for his fucking farm? I don't even remember anymore. I mean, he's shameless. Yeah, disgusting. Um, okay. One more question before I release you. Uh, you, you've talked a lot about this whole the whole Armenia uh, situation. And I want to talk about that because it's complicated and something that doesn't get talked about in the news very often. As I understand it, you're up in the Caucasus Mountains there. You have Armenia, you have Azerbaijan. There's territories within those two countries that sort of intermingle. Armenia is the world's yes. oldest Christian country, continuous. It was the first country that became Christian that still exists. Azerbaijan is Islamic, uh, so there's tensions there. Um, you have yep. a breakaway province called Nagorno-Karabakh, 
which is basically an Armenian enclave within what's territorially Azerbaijan. Yes, ethnic Armenians. Yeah. And, right. um, and has been like quasi-independent for like, I don't know, 25 years now. And there, yep. there's sort of a war, there's sort of a ceasefire. Tensions have started to escalate more recently. So what's going on there? What should people know? What can we do about it? So yeah, so, I mean, there's a a, a group um, that I that I've done work with, um, and and now it's become sort of a passion of mine pushing this because obviously, we were, uh, Biden I think was the first time we even acknowledged the Armenian yes. genocide. Um, the United Kingdom still hasn't done it. Um, others still don't. The EU, because of you know natural gas and other reasons, you know uh, uh, the God. I mean, the, the the way fossil fuels corrupt the world is just, you know. And, and they still are, they invite Aliyev, who's a corrupt kleptocrat. And you know, from your stuff on Trump, that at one point there was going to be a Trump Tower back. Absolutely. Because I believe it was Aliyev's son-in-law who was like the, the the rapper or whatever. I mean, my God, these people are just, you know, no talent, whatever. But hey, I'm an ad you better buy my albums. We'll line you up against the wall. So you've got Christian and Muslim, and there's tensions there, but also... Armenia on the, oh, what's the group that rates democracies? Their, their democracy is healthier than ours. Right okay. Now. All right. So people are like questioning Armenia's democracy. Yeah. They, they have a higher rating on the scale than we do. It's, it's a freedom house. I think it's fucking embarrassing. Yeah, it I'm happy for Armenia. I'm embarrassed for America. They're also a democracy. Aliyev is a kleptocrat and is a vicious tyrant and has gotten rich off of in any, you know, any number of pieces with plenty of evidence, stealing state resources, the usual thing. So before, are both Armenia, out of protecting themselves, and Azerbaijan both had kind of you know, agreements with Russia. But Putin, in the end, understands what's in his interests. He wants to, to get the band back together and put the either, hell, forget the Soviet empire, I think he wants the Tsarist empire to, to be put back together. And all of these areas are spheres of influence or were part of their empire at times. So a couple of days before he invaded Ukraine, if you believe in coincidences, <laughs> um, and I know you don't, Aliyev was meeting with him um, in, in Moscow. Clearly, some green lights were being given to each other, to, you know, and it's in his interest for there to be attacks and things taking some of the attention away from Ukraine right. going on there. It's in his interest in terms of the way he's viewed by the world. It's in his interest because if things are unstable there, everybody calls Russia in to be an independent mediator and oh, Russia increases their influence there and gets more access maybe to a pipeline. Um, tied into this too is Erdogan. You know, good old Erdogan who hired, hired Michael Flynn to kidnap somebody out of rendition somewhere out of the country. Um, and I, I don't remember, there's other American uh, folks that was, was is, is Tulsi Gabbard one of the ones that they, he was also uh, corrupting? I, you may know this better than me. Uh, he was the one also that whose who's lackeys beat up protesters in front of the White House. And he yes. had Trump on speed dial. Trump talked to him more than any other leader, right. which I was surprised to find out. Right. Yeah. But there were a couple other like members of Congress groups, right wing groups that have been heavily, I remember the prayer breakfast, like they've got their mm -hmm. claws into. And so. Obviously, if you know the Armenian genocide, you understand that Turkey was the one who committed that. And so Turkish nationalists like, oh, I don't know, Mehmet Oz, who was good buds with Erdogan, yep. um, which I pointed out a lot during that time that we would literally 
he was a Turkish citizen. He'd fought in the Turkish military. That this that we this might be the first time we we literally if they put him on the intelligence committee have a Turkish spy. Yeah. I mean, he's better closer to Erdogan than he is to, than he ever was to Pennsylvania. You know, uh, he actually spent time living. <laughs> actually, he did spend a little time, I think, living. In, in, but, but point being, he was using the, the in-laws house there for a while, one of his 47 houses. Um, so what I do is I point out, so you've got, as you pointed out, Artsakh is another, you know, this, the area there. It's Nagorno-Karabakh. And, and they're, they, they are surrounded. I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Think of like how um, how we had to do an airlift to right, West Berlin because exactly. it was surrounded by by uh the soviet slash east german territory that's what it's surrounded by they need access to this road to 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 get to armenia but 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 this the the um the aliyev and the azerbaijanis made up this fake that they were going to do something i don't remember with with fossil fuels i mean the irony right these people just look at you in the face and tell you what they're doing is such a fascist <laughs> trait right and so they sent in these ecological uh of you know um uh activists to block them because they didn't want them burning fossil fuels on that road utter bullshit completely seen through one of the pr companies that hired some professor in, in the united kingdom to write and he found out it was for azerbaijan and he backed out and, and fucking called them out on the whole thing and how it was all bullshit and he's a big climate so that's what you've got going on. Well, Baku and is was one of the first places where oil was discovered, and in the Russian Empire yeah. and Soviet Union, that was the center of yes. of the entire. Um, you know, before Saudi Arabia, before anywhere, Baku was the place. Right. So, so you, you've got oil and you've got natural gas, and they want to run a pipeline through Armenia, um, and they want to. They, you know, they so there there's chaos, but there's as there often is. There's reasons for this. I mean, they want Armenia. They they figure the U.S. and you know will be dealing with Ukraine, dealing with other stuff. We're not going to stand up and risk lives. Or, but Nancy Pelosi went over there and stood up with them. Um, a few Republicans from the the, the, the less MAGA-ish wing have also done that. But it's a, I mean, it's a simple story. It is a corrupt dictator, vicious dictator, killing people in a democracy. So they block this road. So these 120,000 ethnic Armenians are, are being subject to starvation and fr freezing temperatures. And the UN is failing, you know, and, and I hate to say this because I don't want to like, uh, like undercut institutions that the right does this all the time. But, you know, this, this amba former ambassador, foreign ambassador to the UN from Armenia wrote this op-ed that I shared the other day all about how Kofi Annan had these things he called first principles mm -hmm. at the UN and said, if we will not, you know, if we allow politics to get in the way of going and stopping genocides, then what's our point? Yeah. Right. And after East Timor and after Rwanda and after Bosnia, that we, we don't learn those lessons. So the UN right now isn't doing enough. The EU is standing there and you've got what's her face, the EU head of the EU shaking hands with with Alia for the cameras, which makes me want to vomit. You know, and I would argue even Blinken, we're not doing enough. I mean, we're doing certainly more than the EU. At least we've, we've recognized the genocide. At least we've sent our leaders over there to say we stand with Armenia, but we're not doing enough. We're not, you know, the way to hurt them is the way you hurt Russia. It's with sanctions. They literally, they're a petro state. That's all they got going for them. You know, you hurt them there, you hurt them. But it's like the dictators club again, Aliyev, Putin, Erdogan, who are, who are killing people, innocent people. And the media is almost nowhere to be found. So I'm working with this group, you know, Birthright Armenia, where, you know, it's an American group. I'm not working with any, you know, folks in Armenia, but I'm working with them and trying to publicize what's going on there as much as possible um, because it breaks my heart, you know, and it's another place where 
call it what you will, call it a genocide, a Holocaust occurred, you know, and we're, 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 we're apparently going to let it happen again, yeah. you know, and, and so I've been doing work there. Are you a, a heavy metal fan? Not really. No, no I, I'm more of a, okay, but go ahead. Well, I just started to ask, I'm, 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 my, my main genre is a little more hard rock, classic rock, but I, I like a little, little heavy metal here and there, Metallica, some stuff. But so one of the lead singer of a band called System of a Down, his name is Serge Tankian, mm-hmm. um, a heavy metal band. He's based, he's, he's Armenian American based in LA, just an amazing guy. He's also a pu- published poetry and he does art and this and that. He's been incredibly helpful because he's got a, a bigger, much bigger microphone. And so I've done some work with him and pushing out like a lot of what's going on there. You know, he writes songs about it. He does art about, you know, and so he helps in, in a lot. I mean, he's a terrific guy because he doesn't have to do any of this yeah. stuff and he does. And so that's helped too, that we've got a few people like that. I mean, Jesus, I wish Kim Kardashian would do mm, a little bit more, yeah. um, but you know, a brand to worry about or something, um, you know, so we've had some, some at least semi, you know, p- people with relatively big names who are Armenian speak out you know, that, that one name would be hugely helpful, but has done very well. Um, and, and so, you know, we do, we do what we can. So that's, what's going on. And people should just know about it because if you're, you know, you follow international affairs, if you know what's going on in Ukraine, if you know what's going, you know, going on to the Tigray population, if you're, if we, we head over to, to, um, Eastern Africa, if you, you know, I mean, these are things that are, that our new media once upon a time covered, Yeah. but there's, they're few and far between now. I mean, I hate to say this, but I really do think it's racist. And I've got family that, you know, one quarter of my family is from Odessa. So, you know, I've, I obviously have an interest, familial, you know, familial interest, but also human interest in not wanting anything awful to happen to Ukraine. But at the same time as we should be showing what's happening to, to, to people that are being victimized who are white, you know, in, in our, in Ukraine, we should also be showing up a fuck of a lot more about what's going on in to, to the Tigray population. I'm probably mispronouncing it. And I apologize. Tigray, it may be, um, and to Armenians and other folks around the, around the world. So I do my best on this one. And it's a client that, you know, every once in a while I get lucky and, and, you know, there's a lot of things that I really care passionately about, but, but this is, you know, this is as pure and as good a thing as I've ever done. So I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to spend some of my time talking about it and working. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for doing that. I think it is important. I I think when people, uh, you know, just normies who have platforms on Twitter and elsewhere pick like, you know, certain beats to cover and kind of hone in on, I think it's really helpful. So, you know, thanks for getting the word out about that, because I think I I, I agree with you that it's it's really important. And, uh, you know, it's ironic. You mentioned Kim Kardashian. That's one of the most famous people in the whole world is Armenian American. I mean, you know. That, that's how it goes. That's how and she's made a few statements and put a few things in her Instagram. And I'm appreciative of that because that's always very helpful. But uh, with the audience she has, if she were willing to speak out on it all the time, it would sort of be amazing. The the attention yeah, that we get. It totally would. It totally would. We'll keep trying. Yeah. But thank you for the work that you do. Thanks. This has been a great conversation. Thanks sure. so much for uh, for taking the time. You're on Twitter. It's just your name, right? It's at Cliff Schechter. So I'm just at Cliff Schechter on Twitter, um, which is easy, as as you pointed out at the beginning of the show. No second yep. H, S C H E C T E R N on YouTube, where we're, we've had a lot of videos. Uh, we've been had a lot of growth lately. I'm excited about that platform. Um, it's a little different. It's just at C Schechter. Okay. So it's just the first initial, initial, and then my last name, and you can and find me in either place and. Uh, 
I don't know, there may be other places in the future because uh, I, I just got told I have to change my two-factor identification on Twitter and Elon is, is doing a great job of sort of like trying to extort people into getting his Twitter blue, which will not work with me. So I, I don't know what's going to yeah, happen. It's a, uh, I, I, I suspect that that's going to go away, but that's what the fuck do I know? Anyway, no more about it. We don't want to end with, with an image of that jackass. Okay. No, no, no. no. Let's end with like, hopefully let's all do things to, to, uh, to, to, to bring transparency, let's say, to, to the, the dictators and sociopaths and narcissists and bad people out there. Cause, because you only hear the bad stuff, yes, but a lot of good stuff's happening too, and we're beating them in a lot of places, and let's also talk. Amen. Amen. Cliff, thanks so much for taking the time. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. Seriously, great conversation, and you know, I want to do this for a while. So thank you. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fawcett. Zarina Zabriskie, Marie Kost, and Martha Akuna provided the introduction in Ukrainian, French, and Spanish, respectively. Voice talent is by Stephanie St. John, Tally Briggs, Michelle Cantor, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hockey, Kenai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to the Prevail Substack with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the column and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. And until next time, we shall prevail. MSW.